This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is a November 6th episode, and as always, we are dedicated to answering your fantasy football questions. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. Folks, today we welcome in returning guest on the mailbag, a veteran, Derek Brown of Fade the Noise. He's the senior fantasy analyst for the FTN Network and the host of the DFS Chalk Fade podcast with Adam Pfeiffer. Derek is a truly versatile fantasy football analyst. He covers it all, dynasty, seasonal, DFS, everything, and he's going to give us that critical insight into the matchups and plays for week nine. This is the last single-digit week of the season, of course. Must follow. Been following him for years on Twitter at dbro underscore ffb. Downtown Derek Brown, always great to have you on the mailbag, man. What's good? What's going on, Mike? Thank you for having me back. Uh, this is going to be a blast, dude. Uh, we we have run in the same circles, uh, whether it's been doing some work with some other sites. Uh, before I went full-time at FTN, um, this has always been a treat to get, jump on here and chop it up with you, man. So first of all, before we talk about anything football-related, thank you for having me back. Oh, of course, man. And ele- the election. The, we, we had an election here. We don't get political here, but whatever your lean is on politics, folks, it certainly was an interesting fantasy football-esque election. So we have Derek on here because we had one candidate who was leading, then another candidate was leading, and a lot of arguing in between, which is really, Derek, a microcosm of what we're going to do today, right? Oh, absolutely. We always have a good back and forth, you and I, when we jump on here. I'm sure we're going to see some things different, agree on a few different things. So it's going to be good, good, good audio. Well, let's start with FTN, man. And Fade the Noise came out. You guys made a massive splash. I saw your name going up right away as joining them at one of the ground level guys, and it didn't surprise me, of course. Great resource for fantasy football advice. Really has taken off. How'd you get involved there at FTN, and how's it going so far? Oh, man. So, yeah, in in this offseason, I mean, obviously just with a weird 2020s year, and I know everybody keeps saying that, but it's true. Um, this offseason was we saw so many different people changing hands, changing sites, changing um, different places where they were working. Um, myself, I was one of them. So the chance, like, to even get uh, started at FTN was absolutely amazing. Like, this is 
literally a dream come true. I mean, starting in this industry from just writing an article, um, buying a Chromebook to say, okay, I think I might want to do this um, for $5, $2, hell free. Um, I mean, and now this is like literally my job. I wake up every morning, open the other computer, and start diving into stats and, and, and write-ups and everything. So I'm living a dream right now, Mike. I mean, everything we have going on at FTN has been amazing. Uh, you talked about FTC, Fade the Chalk, uh, starting that from the ground level with Adam at that podcast and watching it grow and flourish has been awesome, as well as, I mean, I, I, I feel blessed to work at FTM because everybody we have on staff, you want to be in a spot where you feel like you're not only growing as an analyst, but you're learning stuff and the process because once the, you get to the point where you stop learning in this industry or trying to get better, then you, you're either, you're, you're kidding yourself, you're lying to yourself, or you're, you're dead and you're already behind the curve. So the team we have over there is fantastic from Brad to Jeff to Elliot to Kevin, everybody on our team to my co-host Adam Piper. Um, so I feel like I'm constantly pushing the envelope and learning new things daily. Um, and really just, I mean, I love football, man. So living and breathing it has been awesome. Yeah, and they signed you right away. I knew that was coming. I mean, you're so versatile. You got great insight. I steal your stuff all the time. Look for your <laughs> advice on, on Start Sit. So kudos to you, and, and you're killing over there, man. Best of luck. It's going to be great. I want to start here with week eight. I kind of felt, Eric, like week eight separated the contenders from the pretenders. Want to get your view on a couple of teams that really made a statement, either a good or a bad way. Let's start with the Bills. They finally got over the hurdle. Now, I, I thought they were going to win this game by a little bit more. I know there was bad weather, but if they're not beating the Patriots when Brady's gone, half the team decided to opt out because of COVID. Cam Newton didn't look great. Edelman's out. When are they beating it? But it took a strip on Cam Newton late in the game to secure it. Uh, they did get over the hurdle. They beat the Pats at home for the first time since 2011. I'm just curious, are the Patriots still an issue? Do you think Buffalo like cleared it? Is Miami still hanging around with a rookie quarterback? What do you think here with the AFCs? I, I think it's Buffalo's division to lose. I mean, they have the looks, and I know they're not playing great right now, but if you look at their remaining schedule, I mean, they have the looks of they're probably going to back in and be like a 10, maybe an 11-win team. Um, and I think that's plenty enough wins to take the division. Um, I mean, just staring at the rest of their remaining games, they've got, uh, you know, Seattle, Arizona, Chargers, San Francisco is hurting. Uh, they have Denver. They face the Patriots again in Miami, um, as well as the Steelers. I think that they could throw together uh, four wins pro- probably down the stretch and walk away with this division. I just, dude, I don't think that they have, the Patriots have a lot of life left in them. They're sitting at two and five. And even if you believe, like, Cam Newton outside of pushing Russell Wilson, which that feels so long ago, man, like, going toe-to-toe with Seattle, like, outside of that one game, he's averaging 100, basically 150 yards passing a week, and he has one touchdown to six interceptions over the other five games. Like, that is terrible. And the remaining schedule, like, they'll be lucky to be a 500 team. I mean... You think they're going to beat the Jets this weekend, and we're going to get to that later, but uh, then they got Baltimore, Houston, Arizona, the Chargers. Like, all of these teams can beat up on them because I just don't think, like, overall the offense is rolling out just terrible players at wide receiver, and the defense is not as good as it was in previous seasons. So their secondary is really good, but their run defense is bad. So I don't think this is a team that in any facet is good enough to sit here and play catch-up 
and really threaten the Bills unless they just fall on their face for this division. Um, Miami's four and three, man. Like I, I get it, but two, it didn't look good. I, I don't think that. Um, this team, even though like they are playing a little bit above their head, they look like they're probably a seven, eight win team at least at this point. Especially with a lot of I the agree. matchups they have coming down the, the the pipe for them. I mean, they're fourteen through seventeen is pretty rough, dude. I mean, they get Kansas City, they get the Patriots, the Raiders, and Buffalo. They're probably losing three of those four games. Heck, maybe all four of them. So, I, I don't see them having a shot at the division. Yeah, I agree with you. One, my best bet so far this week is. Arizona coming off a bye against Miami. Look, Tua did not even throw for 100 yards. Flores came up with a great defensive game plan. Kudos to him. He owns Jared Goff. He owned him in the Super Bowl. He owns him now. I get it. But now they're going out to Arizona, refreshed and replenished. Peterson's going to lock down at least one of those receivers. Gaskin's out now for three games. Here comes Matt Burita. He's questionable. What else is new? I just think it's a bad spot. I agree. The Bills have a rough second-half schedule. I understand that. But with the Patriots leaning on their best wide receiver now is Jacoby Myers. It's about time. If anyone gets that joke, by the way, thank you. That's an old reference there to Jacoby and Myers. But I agree. I, I think it's the Bills to lose, and and I think they're going to get through it this year. Their defense got to play better, though. Hasn't been playing great this year. Well, I mean, as long as they don't put out the ghost of Josh Norman, which I think he's still floating in some other universe from Derrick Henry. <laughs> yes, um, yes. I mean, as long as they're not trotting him out there, and I know there there was rumblings they were going to sign Darrell Worley, or they have. Uh, that's not an upgrade. Um, I mean, look, Trey White, he takes away a number one. They do have some concerns, I think, on their pass rush, their run defense and stuff, but their biggest thing, and we're going to get to it, Mike, like, Josh Allen has got to play better down the stretch because if that doesn't happen and they don't kind of get back to at least looking like some semblance on the offensive side, like where they started out the year, I, I think that they could they could free fall into nine wins. It'll be enough to win this division, but it that I mean they're probably looking at it being ousted in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and Derek, they have to get to ten if you know what I mean. Okay, nine <laughs> is not going to be enough, but we can get into that later. Uh, next game, I want to talk about Steelers survive against the Ravens 28-24. I thought this was a bizarre game. I watched an NFL game pass again just to make sure that I saw it right. But listen, Steelers got the win. That's a gritty win. However they get it, they deserve the kudos. But really, the Ravens, especially in the first half, dominated this game. They lost the two tackles. That hurt. Lamar did not play well. Steelers forced them into four turnovers. That's a, that's a tremendous job by them. But they escape. My question is this. Steelers, last undefeated team. I certainly think they're going to roll here against, is it Rush? Who's quarterback in the Cowboys this week? Cooper Rush. But I am curious what you think about the Ravens here because they are a good team. They got the loss, but I, I think those two teams are closer than people may think. I agree with you. And I think the Ravens, their defense, they've gotten a few of the players. I know Marlon Humphreys have a COVID issues, but their secondary is still good. Their pass rush is still good. Their, their running backs, they have a, an elite run game. I think it, we have to see Lamar Jackson get to playing better. And you have a lot of teams that are dropping back in coverage. They're asking and forcing him to try yes. and beat them. Yes. And he's not answering that bell just yet. I'm not going to put it past him to be able to do that. And if he's going to do that, Marquise Brown has got to be involved. Like, he was chirping on social media. I think he deleted the tweet after he put it out there. But to see him, and as somebody who rolled him out in DFS, and I played him in GPPs, and to see him just ghost for most of the game outside of that touchdown and the one, and the one grab – I was really surprised, man. I was absolutely surprised that he didn't have a bigger role in that offense uh, versus the Steelers. I think that he's got some interesting matchups coming up, and if we're going to see 
Lamar Jackson get right. Like, there's some good spots coming up for him to do so. I mean, Tennessee's secondary has been atrocious. They get them in Week 11. Uh, Dallas can't guard anybody in Week 13. Uh, 14 and 15 is Cleveland and Jacksonville, who, dear God in heaven, they can't cover any receiver to stay, save their lives. Yeah. Um, there are some worrisome spots here, but overall, I do think there are some get-right spots, and especially if they unleash J.K. Dobbins and just – just let the man do what he does, and that's avoid oh, tackles. Oh, my God. Dear Lord. I, I, here's the deal. I get it. I've been a Mark Ingram guy. Listen, wrong side, of, wrong side of 30. I love the Gus bus, super efficiency metrics. J.K. Dobbins has got to get touches. He turns the corner. He's elusive. He's very similar in what he can do, catching and running like Ray Rice. they got to let him go. He is a different type of player. And now that they don't have the tackles and the running game is going to be compromised, so there's going to be a little more emphasis on the running backs to create those yards, you have to find a way to get in the ball, right? I think you have to. And I think this offense needs a spark. They need to switch up some things and stop with this whole, like, getting cute three-way system with the running back position. Like, let a guy get a 60% snap share. Let J.K. Dobbins get 60% of the snaps, and I promise you, good things will happen. He can create for himself, and that's something more than even Ingram at this point in his career or Gus Edwards that you could say for them. I think J.K. Dobbins could be the spark that they could use as well as through the passing game, easy completions, and let the man work after the catch, it could be a great facilitator to get this offense right. Last one here. Tampa Bay escapes against the Giants on Monday Night Football, 25-23. Never bothers me, Derek, when a, a big favorite ekes out a win on the road. It's still a win. It happens all the time. We saw it with the Patriots with all their runs. They get the win. They find a way. They're now 6-2 and two in the NFC South, half game ahead of New Orleans, who they're going to meet this week. Antonio Brown does return. I, I think he's actually going to be eligible to return this week. That's complicating the target share for the Bucks. They're loaded. Now, from a fantasy perspective, I just want to get your take here. We're going to have Mike Evans. We're going to have Chris Godwin back. We're going to have Antonio Brown. We have Leonard Fournette versus my long-lost love, Rojo. We got Gronkowski, who now is becoming a major red zone target yet again. What do you do here? Because, you know, if you have Chris Godwin and you're in a 12-man fantasy league and you have McLaurin, and you have a couple like a Jamison Crowder if he gets healthy. What do you look at? Where do you rank these offensive weapons for Tampa Bay? Oh, um, it's going to be an absolute headache um, weekly. Um, I think, obviously, if you've got Brady, then you have to be feeling mighty, mighty good um, yeah. considering the weapons because for Tampa, we haven't seen both of these alpha personalities with Evans and Godwin really healthy and effective together on the field, if Antonio Brown can offer that, I think that we possibly could see some more 11 personnel down the stretch. I think it throws Godwin back into the slot. I think that this could make Scotty Miller, who many people want to make a thing and have talked about him making a thing, and all the the reasons because of his speed, because he's just a short white dude that happens to be playing with Tom Brady, you know, for everything that people want to make out of it. I think that um, that makes him, that turns him into dust. I think that they probably go more 11. I think it's Evans, Godwin in the slot, Evans and Brown are on the outside. Um, Man, if Antonio Brown is any shell of himself, I'm not going to put it outside of his range of outcomes to uh, fight or contend to be the number one or the number two here. I know that sounds like possibly a stretch, but... Evans, unless Godwin's been out, we've seen all the splits. We've seen all the stats out on Twitter. Evans has not been a target hog unless Godwin has been out of the lineup. 
So if we're talking about, okay, if Godwin comes back, as long as he's able to catch the ball with the fractured finger, then I think that he is going to reascend in the offense. And then Antonio Brown, we saw just immediate chemistry from the limited sample of one game with the Patriots. Um, I, I really think that it's probably going to be Godwin and Brown duking it out for the number one. Evans is going to be regulated to a handful of targets, more of a red zone role, um, unless we have injuries. Um, as far as the running backs, Ronald Jones, it, it, for as much shade as I've thrown a, at him in previous seasons, he's played extremely well this year, and you have to give the man his due. Now, with Fournette coming back, Fournette sent LaShawn McCoy screaming to the bench. He is taken over the passing down role for Tampa. Um, he's run more routes than, than Ronald Jones in each of the last two weeks. I mean, he's got uh, 46 routes versus Ronald Jones 22. Um, so, and as well as he's out touching him on the ground, he's got more run in the red zone. I think that Ron, uh, Leonard Fournette is the guy and he could establish and pull away from Ronald Jones, um, especially after he fumbled last week. Um, yep. So I, I don't want to throw salt in a wound. I don't want to kick you when you're down, Mike, uh, with the Rojo love because he's played extremely well. But I think outside when Fournette's not been on the field, I mean, Arians has run with him, but I still don't think that he's married to the guy. And the fumble just complicates things. So I like Fournette moving forward, man. I mean, he's got the pass down role. That's what you want in this offense, and he's eating to him. He's eating into his role everywhere else, early downs and the red zone. So he's the guy that I would like to. If you can get him in a league, go get him because I think that he could be a low end RB two, middling RB two, considering the position uh, weekly moving forward. Yeah, I think they're going to go to – I think Arians trusts Fournette the most. I think that as we get to the big games here, I firmly expect – I think the touch share for Rojo last week is like 24%. I expect Fournette to dominate this week against the Saints in the big games. But listen, Fournette does have an injury history, so I think he wants to keep him healthy. Rojo will be here a little bit here, a little bit there. But that fumble, man, I put out that gift. It just buried him. I totally agree with you on the wide receivers. I think Evans is the one who gets hurt. Um, I love Godwin. I do. I don't know if I would trust him every week. I think that if you put Chris Godwin in your lineup with that group, I think you have to expect wide receiver three production. I don't think you're going to see a Matt because you know Evans going to get a couple targets and AB's going to get his. So yeah, I mm-hmm. I see both ways. It's just it's you know you come to those playoffs, man. We've put this time in all year. You want reliability. You know what I mean? And I I just don't know if Godwin has it. No, I, I agree. I think that it's going to be maddening from a fantasy perspective on what kind of production you're going to get. I think that Brady is going to just take whatever defense gives them, and I think he's just going to hit the open man. Now, whether that's Brown and Godwin, whether that's Gronk, um, whether that's the running back position, I think that this helps Brady the most out of anybody. So I think that's the person that gets the biggest bump, and you got to look at him as like what? I mean, Mike, where'd you, where would you put Brady the rest of the year? I think like what, top – Top seven, top. I mean, yeah. at, at his floor for the rest of the season. I agree. Yes, I agree. I, I don't. He doesn't have the rushing, so I can't sneak him in the top five. But I think he is absolutely in the seven to ten, six to nine range on a weekly basis. Yes, Great. absolutely. That's what you're looking at. I did not have him there earlier in the year, but now with these weapons, with the way things are clicking, totally agree with you. Absolutely. 
Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account anytime, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash podcast. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. I'm Dave Cabin, host of the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank you for supporting RotoViz Radio. We love producing these shows and we hope that you love listening to them. As a thank you, loyal podcast listeners can get 10% off of a one year RotoViz subscription by using the promo code 2020RVRadio at checkout. We have some of the very best tools, articles, and analysts in the business and can't wait to lead you on the path to greatness. If you haven't done so yet, do us a favor and take a minute to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Now let's get into the show. Four teams on by this week, Derek. Eagles, Browns, Bengals, Rams. I talked in my buy-sell article on action this week about Nick Chubb. Just how much of an impact can Chubb have in the fantasy playoffs? And why do you think, like, Kareem Hunt has not really popped. Every week we talked about the volume. Every week we talked about, look what he did. He was actually more efficient when Chubb was there, considering he was getting less touches but producing more. So what do you think is the issue with Hunt? And do you think maybe Chubb's return can increase Hunt's efficiency? I think so. I think the thing that's kind of gone under the radar here is they've had Wyatt Teller, who is, if you head over, he is the best run blocking guard in the NFL right now per PFF. And so if you head over there, that 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 is a big difference on this offensive line. Yes, they've still run blocked pretty well, but I think that if we look at the first five weeks with Teller in the lineup. Hunt himself was running at 4.9 per carry over the last three games. That drops to four even. And I think that that has had an impact over the the cohesion, the ability to get Hunt space, as well as Cleveland is just running extremely slow. Like, their pace is terrible. I think that the play volume, as well as losing, and yes, I'm talking about losing one guy on the offensive line, but when you're talking about the best run-blocking guard in the NFL right now, that is a big loss. And I think that with the play volume, like, Cleveland has been their 24th in total pace, their 6th lowest in seconds per snap overall, and 8th lowest in the last four weeks. So I think it's a combination of injuries. I think it's a combination of just their their play volume sucking as to why Hunt has not gotten the volume because you got to run plays to be able to get the guys the ball. So um, the schedule is great going down the stretch. Like I think that they really, really miss Nick Chubb. I like that call a lot. Um, especially coming off the bye, like if he can come back, they get the Texans, Philly's not a great matchup, but then they get Jacksonville, Tennessee, 
before you get to the fantasy playoffs, those are pretty good get-right spots for this rushing attack. What the heck is wrong with Jonathan Taylor? I'm starting to get nervous, Derek, about my preseason over total rushing yards, 710.5. Last week should have been a smash spot. Here's Jordan Wilkins. Now, we always knew he stole carries, but he was the by far the better visual looking back last week. Now, it came out that Taylor was a little banged up, but I'm always eerie of that when it comes out after the fact here. What do you do with Jonathan Taylor? Because it's getting to the point where it's uncomfortable. I mean, we were kind of hoping for a Miles Sanders-like second half from last year, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen either. I mean, considering the state of the running back position over, like as a whole, you get you got to hold him because you're not going to get anything in trade. You don't cut him because I, I think it's probably a frustrating three-way committee going forward. I've always loved Jordan Wilkins. He's always produced anytime he's gotten a chance. Like last year, he was starting yards created per touch. This year, the problem with Jonathan Taylor, Mike, is he's not breaking tackles. He's literally not making anybody miss. Like he's got 118 touches. He's only had 11 avoided tackles. He is 99th. And this is counting like, yes, some small sample guys, two carries, five carries, what have you. He's 99th. And yards created or yards per contact after attempt or per attempt. You look at Jordan Wilkins, 52 attempts or 52 touches, 16 avoided tackles. He's 26th in yards after contact per attempt. So Wilkins is making people miss. He has ability in the pass game. He's going to be a thorn in Jonathan Taylor's side as long as he's healthy down the stretch. And he's got. He's got the outside. He could take more of this backfield. I hate to say that because I love Taylor as a prospect coming out, but Taylor the prospect versus Taylor the player we're seeing are two very, very different things. Isn't it funny how, you know, we sent out that picture of of the hugely jacked Jonathan Taylor looking like a (laughs) linebacker in the preseason, and the book was, well, is he going to be involved in the passing game? You just said correctly that he's not breaking tackles, yet he's getting a tremendous amount of of passing work, more than we thought he probably would have. Mm -hmm. That's what's amazing is he's not doing the stuff that we thought he would do, and he's being more versatile. If I told you in the preseason that he would have the receiving numbers that he had right now, he'd be a slam RB1, you would think, no? Oh, absolutely. That was the biggest concern. Everybody was like, well, is he going to get passing? Is it going to be Naheem Hines? Like we weren't talking about, yes, people were talking about Marlon Mack, heating into his early down, but the biggest concern was not his ability as a runner. Like, that was the the foregone conclusion coming into the year. It was like, um, Taylor's upside is to be this year's Nick Chubb. Like, that's what he can be. But we're not seeing that, man. And for the one factor we thought was the set and forget, like, that's what he can do. That's where he'll dominate. He's not doing that. It's a big concern this, this far into the season. Very, very true. I had Nelson Souza on last week, and he's coaching his kids' flag football league, and I asked what like the workout song was, the pump-up song. So what do you have here? What's your workout song if you're going out, I know you're trying to get ready, get ourselves in shape because we're, we're sitting here just trying to stay healthy, you know what I mean, during COVID. What are you listening to? I'm a metal guy, a tried and true. Like That is what I stick to. So there is a, 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 an older metal band that um, – they're called, and it's at, it's after a Simpsons reference, uh, Kill Switch Engage. I listen to all of their ah. albums um, through and through, still do. Um, if I'm going to go a little bit lighter, um, there's actually, if you go on Twitter, you can follow my timeline. And um, they, <laughs> we, 
we all got kids around here, Mike, so you can't always be like pumping everything that's got screaming and stuff like that. Yes, yeah. I mean, you got to have some lighthearted stuff to kind of get you pumped. There yep. is an awesome band called Punk Rock Factory. It's a British uh, cover band, and they're they're coming out with a new CD. It's it's going to be nothing but Disney covers, but done oh, nice. punk wise. It is fantastic. Like I can listen to it when I'm working out. I can listen to it with my kids. It's freaking awesome. Oh, that's a great advice there. I'm playing with my son down here in the basement. I will definitely check that out. That's a great call. Excellent. I got a question here. Tom in Chicago. He's been very impressed with Joe Burrow in the Bengals' office this year. I have as well. How do you see it, Derek, second half of the season? He's curious about the wide receiver pecking order. I think it's Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, man. We've already seen it so far this year. I mean, Boyd's uh, leading the team uh, at least over the last four weeks after T. Higgins uh, ascended. Uh, So we're looking at a sample where Higgins was playing 78% of the snaps or more. And from weeks five to eight, Boyd leads the team in target share, 23. Higgins is right on his heels, followed by A.J. Green. They're both at 20%. But if you look at the other numbers that factor in here, uh, Boyd and Higgins are the ones that have been targeted in the red zone eight and three times. A.J. Green has none. They both are surpassing Green in receiving yards and air yards. Uh, well, A.J. Green is actually, he's leading both of them in air yards, but he's not doing anything with it, man. I think that this is a team that both even in the here and now, plus moving down the stretch, A.J. Green's not going to be coming back to this team. I think it's T. Higgins, and I think it's Tyler Boyd. I think that considering the passing volume weekly, I don't think it's crazy that both of these guys can finish out the year as top 24 wide receivers. Like, that's not insane to me at all. Like, considering Boyd's matchups on the slot and T. Higgins for everything we've seen, plus the passing volume, he's a guy that's going to see seven to eight targets weekly. So that's the two guys I lean on here. Yeah, I was totally wrong about Tyler Boyd. Uh, Full disclosure, I did not like him. I thought that those last two years were a product of a different system. Burrow coming in, T. Higgins, Adrian Green, I've been totally wrong. Tyler Boyd finds a way to get catches. He finds a way to produce in every area of the field. Absolutely agree. I think you nailed it. I want to take a look at the consolidated target shares here because this is very important as we come down the fantasy stretch. No guesswork involved here. Which one do you like better? Start with the Vikings. There's been a lot of complaints on, on social media to me about Adam Thielen saying that he really isn't a wide receiver one, that he gets all his touchdowns in garbage time. I don't even know what that means. All I usually write back is the leagues I'm in actually have four quarters, not three. That's what I write back. But certainly I understand Justin Jefferson is more athletic. He's younger. He's explosive. I get all that. But I'm just curious, Thielen versus Jefferson, let's say half PPR, rest of the season, who are you going with? Oh, my God. It, it, how is this even a question? It's Thielen. I know. It's I know. Thielen, dude. It's Thielen. And people want to talk about all the stuff in garbage time. That is not Thielen's fault. That is a product of this Minnesota system. Minnesota, when they're in neutral and positive game scripts, they will run, 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 and then run some more. And they flip the script and turn into a top five passing rate and a top five to ten pace team whenever they're down. So that's more of a product of the system than it is a knock on Adam Thielen. And their their defense is terrible, terrible, terrible. So they're going to be in enough games down the stretch in the rest of the season where they're going to have to pass, and it's Thielen for me. Listen, I, I firmly understand that this next question I'm going to get criticized, and I welcome it. I gave up on Ezekiel Elliott. I did Ezekiel Elliott in a package with Jonu Smith for Hunter Henry, who I like his consistency and his target share a little bit more, and David Montgomery. I don't think Nelson will ever come back on this pot again, given <laughs> that I did that deal. But I, 
with the Titans, my rationale was Corey Davis, Derek, has sort of come on here. And there's not usually a ton of passing volume for the Titans. We know when the weather gets cold, it's going to be Derek Henry. Those yards per carry go up every week. And it's because of Corey Davis that I'm a little cool on Jonu Smith, who was operating at extremely high efficiency earlier in the year. Not a lot of volume, but a lot of touchdowns. So give me your thoughts here. A.J. Brown is great. We know that. Kind of looking at Davis versus Jonu here rest of schedule. Um, I'm going to lean Davis here uh, for a lot of the reasons that you stated. I mean, like since A.J. Brown's come back, I think Corey Davis is having this this later uh, career breakout, um, especially he's winning outside. Tennessee doesn't run 11 personnel. They're not sliding him into the slot, and it's surprising. I think we need to give Corey Davis his due. He's getting targets. The other thing about it at – I don't know how healthy Janu is. Like, ever since he, he got dinged up, he came back, we've seen some of his role being reduced, and yep. I, I can't, because the team's not going to tell you. Like, they're they're not going to give you the full, like, after the season, we actually sometimes get full clarity about what went on during the season and how banged up some of these guys are. And so I, I kind of question how healthy truly Janu is at this point of the season, considering uh, both the the production on the field and what we've seen just in the last few weeks. So I'll lean Corey Davis here. Excellent. And last one, Chargers. Herbert's been amazing. You know, it took a punctured lung, a doctor sticking a needle in Tyrod Taylor's back to get Herbert in that starting lineup, but he's not giving it up. Keenan Allen's amazing. He's got like 312 targets every week. <laughs> Mike Williams could be a little feast or famine. We saw the feast against the Saints, and then we saw the famine the next week. And Hunter Henry. So where are you going here outside of Keenan? I'll lean Mike Williams, uh, and I know that the the tight end position is atrocious. So people want to gravitate to Hunter Henry. Like I, I get it. I absolutely get it. The reason I'm going Mike Williams here is because Herbert has no qualms about chucking it down the field. We've seen that he will take the open guy, he will throw it deep. He has no problems heaving it deep. And Mike Williams, for a guy that like I all I wanted to see, and we're seeing this with Herbert, is a guy like. If it wasn't Phillip Rivers, I wanted to see a quarterback that could actually lead him on a throw, where Mike Williams wasn't having to jump backwards over a cornerback and fall down to make a catch. Like, if somebody could hit this man in stride deep down the field, then he's going to produce. So we're talking about high-value targets deep down the field. That's exactly what you want in fantasy. And for the tight end position, like, I, I get the Hunter Henry stuff and I get the target share and the love and, and the positional scarcity there. I'll stream, whatever. Give me the deep targets and all of that for Mike Williams. Seasonal week nine waiver wire pickups. Yes, I may need some direct advice on this, and I've, I've hidden it here, Derek, in an actual uh, mailbag question, but this may be at home here for me. Damian Harris, I picked him up. Got him in my lineup. It's the Jets. The Jets have given up some touchdowns, but they're pretty good run defense. What do you do with Damian Harris here rest of season and more specifically for this mailbag host this week? Uh, I mean, depending on your options, you're probably rolling him out there as like a middling flex. Um, he yep. could walk into low, low-end RB2 numbers. Um, the Jets have had a good run defense. If you look at a Justin line yard, second-level yards, where they've been bad at, is they, they, they can't tackle at all, and open field yards, they're allowing a lot. I think that you have to temper some of your expectations with Harris, though, because that's not really his game, Mike. Like, make, him making people miss, he has no passing game role, and him making people miss, I know people want to talk about it, and everybody was all, because 
I threw it out there on Twitter in the Kansas City game when he ran through, like, I could have gotten 15 yards on that run myself. When he ran for like 30 or 40 yards, whatever it was, I threw out on Twitter and I was like, why is everybody so impressed by this? Like, I don't understand what he did that so that like everybody's like, oh, Damian Harris, let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, what are y'all seeing? He can't, he didn't even get touched. Like you could have driven a truck through that hole. So I think temper expectations, if he falls in the end zone once, he's probably going to garner at maybe top 24 numbers. I'm not high on him. Like, I actually think that he's a great trade-away candidate because he's coming off the 100-yard game, and I think that his schedule moving forward in this offense as a whole is not fantastic. And if they get down, he's game-scripted out, baby. Like, like last week, or at least the whole season, dude, with the games that he's played, their fullback has run just as many routes as he has. So it takes nothing but, like, a pick-six, and poof, he's gone at the game plan. Yeah, I agree. That's what I thought you were going to say. Same game here, LaMichael P. Ryan. We love Frank Gore. Who doesn't love Frank Gore? He's wonderful. But the Jets certainly in rebuilding mode, and they're two losses away from cashing that uh, under six and a half wins for me, which is very nice. LaMichael P. Ryan going to get his chance here. He's had a touchdown, been able to look pretty good, certainly involved in the receiving game. Where do you have him against a Patriots defense that cannot stop the run this year? I can't invest in a Jets guy. I, mean, I, I, I can't, man. Like I've talked about it on our podcast, and, and I'll and I'll again spew my gay hate here. I outside of like the slot role for the Jets offense, and that in no not not Braxton Berrios and his like thirty catches for thirty four yards. Um, any of the running backs, Frank Gore, uh, the zombie body of Frank Gore is still going to be a thing weekly. P. Ryan's not, he's not running behind a good offensive line. He's on a bad offense. Uh, I, I would rather shoot my shot on so many other players, um, especially like, because he's not going to be anything more than a flex play. Give me a wide receiver in the flex almost any freaking week over LaMichael P. Ryan. Yeah, it's fair. I bet Elliot Chris would agree with you, even though he's a long lost Jet fan. I agree. <laughs> Uh, le- last one, LaVisca Chenault. You know, we've had this thing, Derek, where off the bye, the rookies get very involved. Now, Chenault's had a pretty good season. He's been involved so far. But uh, with with the change of quarterback and there's not going to be any Gardner Minshew, could be a little wildcat in Chenault's future here. What do you think about him rest of schedule and, and upcoming on Sunday against the the uh, Texans? It's, it's so difficult to, to know what to think out of him. Uh, the talent's there. I just – you hope that Jacksonville stops being cute and they stop saying, like, okay, let's make Keelan Cole a thing, um, and they feed what is going to be their future in DJ Chark and, and Visca down the stretch. Um, I don't know what to make out of Lutton. Um, I think if you're going to look at some positives for Visca this week, it's that he's going to get some short area targets. That's where the Texans are terrible, like the 32nd against short area passing. Um, I, I would be willing to throw him out there as a desperation flex this week. Rest of the season, dear God, it just it depends on what this quarterback looks like. I don't have high hopes, though. Um, I hate to say it. Yeah, get out of here with Keelan Cole. He, you know, it's one of those guys. He's not going to have a big ceiling. He's not going to have a high floor. Uh, enough. But let's see what we have with Chenault. I, I agree. I don't think they're going to do it, but let's see what happens. Next up, buy, sell, hold. Three guys I want to talk to you about. DeAndre Swift. Now, we love DeAndre Swift. He certainly has produced. He's great in the receiving game. But he's still not getting that large touch share in that backfield. Carry on Johnson is just 
the splinter in our thumb that we can't get rid of. I believe he did not actually have a touch. He had a ton of, of snaps, but no touches. So with him, Adrian Peterson, still an issue. Swift, what do you think here? Actually, uh, if I've got to sell anybody out of these three, it's going to be DeAndre Swift. I think that people want to believe the wow. hype. Um, and I'm not saying the guy isn't talented, but Adrian Peterson is the, the, the Frank Gore of Detroit. Like, he's not going away. He's going to factor into this backfield. I mean, ever since we saw Swift's breakouts of the last uh, three weeks, so weeks uh, six through eight, Peterson's still factored in. He's actually gotten more work on the ground, 31 carries to 29. He still had a red zone role, and he still actually garnered a few targets. I know it's not much, but three versus 13. If him plus carry-on are going to cap Swift's uh, snap percentage and his role in early downs, I mean, he's a flex weekly that's probably going to walk into some top 24 weeks, but most weeks, that could be the Adrian Peterson, like two-yard rushing score that, that could leave you tilting your face off every Sunday. Yeah, it's totally true. The next one is intriguing. James Robinson, his opportunity share, number one per player profiler among all running backs. I mean, he's getting the work. There doesn't seem to be any challenges. Raquel Armstead, of course, dealing with COVID, unfortunately. He's out for the year. Zigbo's there, but is he really an issue? James Robinson, what are you doing with him now? Questionable age situation with quarterback. I guess, Derek, this is the classic does it matter if the offense is functioning at a high level if he's getting the volume? No, it doesn't. He's the hold. He's the guy that you need to be holding on. I mean, the guy's he's he's a top five running back in fantasy right now, Mike. And Gardner Minshew's yep. not played good, so is Lutton going to be that much of a downgrade? Because we're talking about okay, could the quarterback play be worse? Do you really have to take a really long step to be that much worse than what Minshew's done thus far this season? I don't think that you really do. And the Jaguars are blocking well. Like, they're a run blocking. They're a top 12 run blocking line. And James Robinson is getting run on all three downs. So, for all the reasons, like, he is the more productive version of Miles Gaskin. For all the reasons that people have loved Miles Gaskin, he's been the more productive version of that. Uh, I'm going to hold James Robinson, and regardless of quarterback play, I'm willing to go with him. I don't think that you're you're not going to get anything in trade for him, at least to that's equivalent to what production he's had this season. And he's not a guy considering the position that with his opportunity share, like you're talking about, that you want to trade away. And here's the last one. Now, hear me out on this. I understand that DJ Moore is one of the most talented receivers in football. But I think if it goes back to what you just said, if you're trying to get something for a player – and get more than you think he's currently worth. My issue with DJ Moore is he had a fantastic season last year. Rough quarterback play, great volume, receptions, receiving yards, not as much touchdowns, but those can regress. This year, we expect the regression, but clearly now, after this half a year, we know that Robbie Anderson is the wide receiver one. I just think there are still teams that will value DJ Moore as the low-end wide receiver one, and I don't think he's in that range anymore, which is why I'm thinking he can be sold. Tell me I'm an idiot. Well, okay, so here's my thing. I look at DJ Moore as I think people have soured because the hype, and I was one of the people out in the streets hyping him up. Like, if anybody had the megaphone, I was one of the people with it or I was passing it along. I I was all in on the DJ Moore train, and I think that people were looking at, like, 
just his role in this offense, and it was the Robbie Anderson role that we all thought he was going to get, and now he's playing the role that we thought Robbie was going to get, which has still been a really, really good role. Like, both of these guys are top 16 wide receivers. Like, DJ Moore is wide receiver 16, and I think a lot of people don't realize that right now. Like, for as frustrating as people wanted to write him off and, and all of the hype cratered, I actually think people have soured a little bit more on DJ Moore than they really should have because in the last few games, he's come on, Mike. Like, 93 or more yards in four of his last eight games. Like I said, he's a top 20 wide receiver, and he's quietly, quietly on pace right now because we're at the halfway point. He's quietly on pace for 118 targets, 66 receptions, and he's on pace for, like, 1,244 receiving yards. Like, those numbers are all awesome. Like, those are the things that we wanted. It's a, it's the touchdowns. He's only on pace for six touchdowns. But if somebody were to say, if I were to tell you, Mike, like, that DJ Moore was on pace for 1,200 yards receiving this year, would you have considered that to be a good thing right now at the halfway point? I would be like, oh, yeah, man. Like, he's hitting the production. Let's go. You're totally right. I know I'm on a ledge on this one. My issue is I can easily see me riding with DJ Moore in week 14 and getting the four for 40. I can see it. And listen, that's true of any wide receiver because there's a lot of Aaronson wide receivers. Your points are really well taken. This is a gut call on mine, but I, I agree. He could also end up getting the touchdown regression and just sticking this in my face here rest of the season. Well, I think the one thing that we need to talk about here too, and we didn't bring him up and when we talked about consolidated target shares, they're not throwing to anybody else. Like Robbie and DJ Moore make up 50% of the target share for the Panthers. I think that's what you got to lean on with DJ Moore if you're willing to ride him for the rest of the season is that when the ball's in the air, it's going to one of two dudes. It's going to DJ Moore. It's going to Robbie Anderson. Next question, most popular one we have here, Derek. Thank you, teacher time. Give a shout-out. Thanks somebody in your K-12 year that had a huge positive influence on you as a person or a student. Someone that made a difference in your life, K-12. Who do you want to shout-out? So, I, I, honestly, I'm on a blanket statement part of the K-12 through stuff because, honestly, when I was growing up, I mean, let's just put it out there. I was kind of a, I, I was a shithead. Like, I was one of those <laughs> A lot of people have said this, yes. I was one of those kids. Like, I wasn't, like, a malicious type of kid, but I never shut my damn mouth. I was always talking. I must have, like, one of my teachers, like, all of them must have been like, all right, I, I just want to pull my hair out. Like, can we just put a sock in this kid's mouth to get him to shut up for two seconds so we could teach him something? And so for for all of my K-12 through teachers, I'm sorry. I apologize. I love you all. I, I absolutely cherish you. Uh, the two people that I want to get up in here, like, and name them by name are two teachers that influenced a great deal. And I know what people would want to talk about, like, yes, you're usually the person you're supposed to be and you're you're kind of shaped by the time you get into college and you reach your 20s. Dude, two of my nursing school teachers, because, yes, before I did this full-time, I was a full-time nurse for 10-plus years. Uh, Leah Pierce and Sandra Johnson were two fantastic nursing school teachers that helped mold me and push me harder than I ever had been pushed in my life up to that point in school because I used to just barely study, coast by, and do hardly anything and get decent grades. And they're like, look, you have got to expect more out of yourself. So I, for, I know we framed this in K-12, through but if we're looking at people that really shaped me and like, okay, so like, all right, I know you think that's a work ethic and that's cute and all, but this is what a real work ethic looked like. 
those are the two people that I really got a shout out here. Amazing stuff. That's exactly what we're looking for there. Perfect. All right, it's time to win the million dollars, my friend. Position by position, I want the sneaky, cheap DFS play for each of our positions, someone who is going to save me some cash here, allow me to pay up at the other positions, and win the million dollars. Let's start with quarterback. Who's your sort of low-cost flyer that you got this week? All right, so for all of the love that we kind of gave him on Twitter and in the DFS circles last week, um, because I was in on it early, but he got swallowed up in the vortex and 40 mile an hour winds. I'm going back to Derek Carr this week. He's at okay. 5,700. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers defense has been sneaky, sneaky bad. Like, he is going to open up so much for your salary. Like, and the way that he can attack this defense, I mean, Mike, if I were to tell you that Derek Carr were to get uh, a defense that is quietly allowing the third most fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks. They are 29th against the tight end position, and they are allowing the third most receiving yards out of the slot per game. Would you say you would love Derek Carr this week? Yep, that's exactly right. Yep, and that's why I'm going back to the well, man. That's a great point because you know how tenuous the ownership is in DFS. So given that he was a play last week and he burned people, which was a direct result of the wind, you go back to the well. And I'm going to have visions, Derek, of the 80s NBC afternoon game with Dick Emberg, with Fouts and the Raiders and the ball getting slung all over the place. I think that's a great call. How about running back here? Who do you got? So for running back... If we're going really low, and usually my running back pool is extremely condensed. Like, I want good matchups, but if we're talking about super cheap and off-the-board kind of plays, I don't think that we're giving, and I'm saying in the same game, I don't think that we're giving Justin Jackson enough love for what he did last week and how good he looked yep. in the first half before the game got out of, out of hand. I know people want to make Tremonti Pope a thing. Uh, Joshua Kelly got X'd out a little bit. The Raiders cannot stop the run to save their lives. And for a guy that is at uh, 4,900 over on DK, and he's going to have – I mean, he hasn't scored any touchdowns, man, but he's going to – on volume alone, we've seen his floor. And he's going to get 14 to 15 points just based off of volume. If he finds the end zone, he's going to score you 20 at less than 5K. He's a guy that i got some interest in. And wide receiver, always good with the cheap DFS plays because that one big boom catch can make a difference. I saw some people talk about Henry Ruggs because he was running, I think, 94% routes last week. What do you think here with a cheap wide receiver play? Um, So there's two guys that kind of stand out to me, and they're in the same price range. Darnell Mooney's getting a lot of love out on Twitter. I, I, I'm willing to dive in on him this week. Nick Foles has been terrible throwing the ball deep, but look, the Titans can't cover anybody. Like, they just cut Jonathan Joseph, who couldn't cover anybody on the outside. They signed Desmond King. If he is able to play this game, I think that they probably put him outside. He can't stop anybody, man. Like, there's a reason the Chargers said, bye-bye, because he sucks. And so I think that he's in play as well as somebody who is walking into an every-down role in Marvin Hall. Um, I know that we've got some stuff out on Twitter about Stafford missed or, or some questions about what happened at practice today. I hope, dear dear God, that it's not the Chase Daniel or David Blau show. If that's the case, then obviously erase this take from all of the audio. But if Stafford's under center, Marvin Hall is a guy that we know is going to get be targeted deep. Um, I think that he could get behind the defense. And Minnesota, we talked about the corners are not good. Cameron Dantzler is a guy he's going to see on the outside. He runs a 4-6. 
Uh, so I think Hall could get behind them deep for at least one score this week. Yeah, that would be a big difference at quarterback there for sure. That's worth watching. And finally, tight end, just a wasteland here. Who's the guy? I mean, you could you could pick two or three guys every week that are going to pop up. It's just a matter of being able to identify the right ones. Who do you like here at tight end? Uh, so really, if you're going to go like full on like punt option, I think Albert O makes some sense that the Falcons are amongst the worst teams in the NFL against the tight end position. Um, I probably will, if you're going like large field running 150s, I think that he is viable. Um, I'm probably more likely to go like the lowest guy that I, that is standing out to me is probably Jimmy Graham. The, the Titans have been terrible versus the tight end. Uh, he is their main red zone weapon. The The Bears are throwing a ton when they get in the red zone. Um, so at 3,800 on DK, I think that he's a guy that offers you – he's not going to hit the bonus. Like that. that's not going to happen at all. But can he get into the end zone twice and pay off, especially at that price tag? Yeah, I think it could happen. All right, let's go really quick here in the lightning round. I'm redraft lightning round. Why don't you give me the better PPR play coming up in week nine? I'm going to give you two guys. Jerry Judy had one big 40-plus-yard catch last week in the comeback against the Chargers. He's out of Atlanta. Or Corey Davis playing second fiddle but consistent against Chicago. This is Judy for me, and it's hands down. Like, he's been fantastic out of the – well, I say fantastic. Uh, the, Atlanta can't guard anybody. They're trying to hide Isaiah Oliver. It's Judy. DeAndre Swift, efficient, but the volume we talked about at Minnesota or Antonio Gibson off the bye against the Giants defense, it's better than people think. Antonio Gibson, and I agree with you that they are better. Um, They are still horrible against pass-catching running backs. That's the reason why I love Fournette and Showdown versus them. It's the reason why I like Antonio Gibson here. Love this play. Same game, two different guys, same position. Hunter Henry against Vegas or Waller against the Chargers. Talked about my car, love. I got to go Waller here. The Chargers matchup is juicy. They, they can't cover tight ends at all. And wide receiver two versus wide receiver one in a tough matchup. Justin Jefferson has a flex play against Detroit, or Devontae Parker probably gets Peterson in Arizona. Uh, I'm leaning Jefferson here. Um, now, part of this is with assuming that Stafford is under center and they can jump out to a lead and force the Vikings to throw. If, if I knew Stafford was out, um, I would lean Parker, but very, very slightly. Uh, movies with surprise endings. Memento 7, Get Out is a great one. What's one that you like here with a twist at the end? Um, I, There's really – if I want to pick one movie, it's Fight Club for me. I love Fight yes. Club. It's always yes. jumped out. If I was going to go like a series here for just surprise endings, it's that entire – and it doesn't have a name for it, but – uh, M. Night Shyamalan with, with Unbreakable spill, uh, Split and Glass, that entire series is fantastic. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one no one has mentioned. Excellent job there, D. I got a new question this week. Give me a against the spread pick for week nine that you like. I told you mine. I like the Cardinals to bounce Miami here with a, a Tua with his inexperience. What do you got? How in the hell is the Patriots – how are they only favored by seven? Like how is mm. how, how is that the case? I, I don't understand yep. that. Uh, I mean, out, outside of uh, the Brett Rippon show and, and versus Denver, like, um, I, I they haven't put up any points. So I definitely uh, don't understand why the Patriots are favored only by seven, as well as um, if I'm going to pick, like, something crazy, I think the Buffalo Bills can surprise, and the line feels wrong uh, with Seattle by three. Um, I, I won't be surprised, and as crazy as it sounds, their secondary is bad. Like, I won't be surprised if the Bills pull this off. 
That's a great call. You mentioned that earlier in the pod. I've been a huge on Josh Allen this year. I thought he was going to have a big year. He's been very happy. But the last couple weeks, he has struggled. No John Brown. John Brown came back only on one catch last week. But I agree. I, this, If the Bills are going to be as good as they think they can be, and I think they can be, this has got to be an explosive spot. Now, you lose a 35-32 game to Seattle and Russell Wilson. Okay, fine. But their offense has got to click here. I, I agree with you. I think this has got to be, for the Allen truthers, this has got to be a big performance because, really, Seattle's defense has stopped no one. Last week, Jimmy G left the game. All of a sudden, Mullins is slinging it down the field. So got to be a big spot here for Josh Allen, no? Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely – it's – Seattle has been bad versus play action. If Buffalo can get back to, to really involving play action, I think they can free him up. I think that that Allen can have a few deep balls in this game. All right, and last one here, man. It's been a fantastic hour. Killing it as always, then I'll get you out of here. If you could acquire one player, someone who's reasonable, like I said, down the stretch drive, who could really help you in the latter part of the fantasy season. So I'm looking for a player that you think right now is a little undervalued, who people could trade for, who would it be? Nelson Sousa last week went with Miles Sanders because, of course, he's injured, but Philadelphia with a pretty favorable schedule. Is there a guy, running back, wide receiver, any position that you think could be a game changer here that people can trade for? So uh, the the easy call right here for me is DJ Moore because of all the okay. reasons that I said. Um, I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path, and I'm going to address a position that I feel like everybody's hurting at right now. And I threw this out on Twitter today. Um Austin Hooper is basically free right ah. now. Nobody wants him right now. He's coming off an injury. He's coming off a bye. I think you could actually find him on your waiver wire. Hell, if anybody's got him, they're not going to take – you're not going to take a whole lot to get him, man. And the three games before he went out, he was third amongst tight ends in target share behind only Kittle and Kelsey. He was third in weighted opportunity amongst all tight ends when he had those three games when he was gaining more steam in this offense. You look at his schedule down the stretch, Mike, it's beautiful, man. Like, he gets Houston, Philly, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Baltimore, the Giants, all through Week yeah. 15. Their DVOA rankings, insane. 24th, 27th, 23rd, 25th, 22nd, 21st. As a guy who could be the first or second option in this passing game, and he's dirt cheap, yeah, I want some Austin Hooper, man. The position's terrible. He's going to get volume, and the matchups are mouth-watering. Oh, fantastic call, man. Derek Brown, folks, amazing work as always, entertaining, great knowledge, can give you advice on Twitter. Got to follow him at dbro underscore FFB, Fade the Noise FTN. He's on the DFS Truck Fade podcast as well, all over the place. Got to follow him. Great work as always, man. Easiest hour for me in the world. Thanks for coming on. You killed it as always. Dude, thank you for having me. This is a blast as always, Mike. We got to do this again more. We got to do this more every season, man. You got it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio and at randallrant. Make sure you tell a friend, and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no-brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. The wait is finally over, folks. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win the season. 
from the game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Go and head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.